Let's talk now with the NFL Network. Cam Wolf joins us. We heard you earlier today, and I want to touch on that, about the presence of what Matt Ryan brings to this camp. we got to start there with the new quarterback. And obviously, we've had some you know, rotating doors the last two years here when it comes to the quarterback position. What is So far, so what have you seen out of Matt Ryan that he brings to this camp? Yeah, rotating doors is one way to say it. He's probably had more rounds in the carousel, right? Uh, I think the biggest thing for Matt Ryan is he's been there, done that. And so it seems like everything's business-like here, whereas previous years it may have been on a quarterback, is he going to be the guy? Last year with Carson, there were some things early in the offseason about the, the vaccine that was kind of holding on the storyline-wise. So it seems like here it's it's calm. It's kind of boring, which is right. which is a good thing for the Colts. And for, for Matt, when you look at him, consistency is the word that always comes up. Ten straight years of 4,000-plus yards and 20 touchdowns. And so players here know this guy has proven it. It's not a guy where you're hoping he can prove it. You know he's done it. You just hope that you can elevate your game to match it. And so um, – Watching Frank Reich's offense, he's going to be a great fit here. The timing-based element, a lot of times last season you watched them and they were going off script a little bit more than I think Frank Reich wanted to do. So I think it's going to be a lot more timing-based, and that's where Matt Ryan thrives. So I'm eager to see all the pieces together. There are certainly questions about the receiving group, but I think quarterback in particular is one where they don't have to worry about at least in 2022. That's Cam Wolf from the NFL Network. Follow him on Twitter at Cameron Wolf. He's got to throw to somebody, Cam. He's <laughs> yes. got to throw to somebody. Got to. And a lot of people are are talking about that right that that big elephant in the room right now led by Michael Pittman this receiver core is a young one mm-hmm. Matt Ryan a, a veteran like that do you like the mix with the young and the old so I do I am worried about that number two receiver spot uh, you know it's tough because nobody's done it done it yet right and in, when you look at the guys their options none of those three guys Alec Pierce uh, Paris Campbell Ashton Doolin none of those guys even had 200 receiving yards in their right. career and so you're hoping it's all hope and potential which Every time you go to training camp, everybody has hope until week one hits and it's like, wow, (laughs) it's all gone. And so I'm eager to see the rookie. I think he's probably your best shot for that true number uh, two receiver in Alec Pierce. And so I know that Michael Pittman is going to be out there. I think that he's a true number one receiver and I think he could take even a bigger jump. But I'm eager to see where does it pick up? Is it Naheem Hines? I know they've been running him in the slot a lot. Can he take that that jump to where he was early in his career, getting 60, 70 balls out of the game? Is it just a compilation? of all the other guys how does it all pair up when it's on the field so Matt Ryan's going to cover a lot of things but he's going to need those guys to step up not draw passes be where they need to go and really just be a fit for what he wants in this offense and you, you bring up you know Michael Pittman Jr and we, we've seen you know kind of that elevation from year one to year two so he's entering in year three and yeah. there's you know there's a there's a, I mean there's a lot of pressure on him. He's clearly the, the number one. When you look at him and you say you think he's a number one, where do you think you can see his game elevate? Yeah, so I think when he came out of college, a lot of people thought he was just this contested catch guy. I think there's been, been more nuance in his game. You see his route running ability. You see the way that he can take on number one corners and not get discouraged. That's what you want to see from a number one receiver. I think for him, the next step is, you know, I want to see all assets. I want to see him consistently. Um, if you, you need to run him out of the slot every play in a game because you're trying to get him away from number one corner can he adjust his game week to week on that I want to see him you know not not to say he becomes a diva but call for the ball in specific situations it's third down Matt right I'm your guy 
give me the rock and so that comes through through uh trust and and, and really your overall um command and your presence and so he did it last year now it's the second year where you're you're proving that it wasn't a fluke that's one of the things that you know when people have asked me that's kind of what i say it doesn't necessarily have to be the statistical yes. thing it's more of you know just being that accountable guy as that number one and speaking of accountability one of the guys we saw take a huge stride last year was jonathan taylor right. in the backfield mm -hmm. how much is that going to help in matt ryan's addition to this offense well jonathan taylor's definitely him like i mean <laughs> I think you have arguments everywhere, but to me, he's the best back in football. And when you look at, um, you know, what he did last season, I think if he got the same thing last year, not a, a cent over, you would take that 100 times out of 100. But I want to see them become more diversified as offense. Like, right. as good as Jonathan Taylor was last season, they became predictable late in season. And we, we all saw what happened week 18. I think you get to a point where you run a guy, you run a guy, you run a guy. At some point, you need your quarterback and your passing game to carry it. And so he's the one guy on this team I'm not worried about. You know, I think as long as long as he stays healthy, your offense is always going to be centered on him. Since Frank Reich's been here, you guys have been able to run the ball very effectively. But my worry is the other guys around him. Um, I think for Jonathan Taylor, you know, I am interested to see if there's an element in the passing game that he can do even more. Because I'm intrigued at, and I mentioned Naheem Hines earlier, I'm intrigued at what they can do in games with both of those guys on the field. And maybe if those young receivers aren't able to step up, maybe your number two and number three receivers are Naheem Hines and Jonathan Jonathan Taylor. And so if you can establish those guys in both elements, the passing game and the run game, that makes you a little bit more diverse. I know JT's done a, done a good bit of it, but can he even elevate more in that game? Maybe less rushes, more passes. Maybe that could be an element that we see in, in a new way. For, Cam, what for about the bullseye, though, on his back? And let me explain. Yeah. Obviously, no superstars at the wide receiver position. Yes. A superstar in Matt Ryan and a superstar in JT. They're saying, hey, I'm zeroing in on this guy. What is it going to take? Is it is it a 50-50 year as far as passing and run, or is it 60-40? With the run versus the pass, what do you like with this offense? And and again, these defensive coordinators saying, "Hey, we know we got a little way to stop Jonathan Taylor." Yeah, every offense is, is over 50-50 at this point. Like I don't think there's any offenses that are more run than pass, but I do think that they're going to be more balanced towards the pass this season than previous years. Like I said, I think last year they were predictable at times, and particularly in the fourth quarter when you really needed to grind it out, you knew they were just going to hand the ball off to Jonathan Taylor and let him get out. I think what Matt Ryan adds is because you you can you can always from a defensive standpoint you always have to know that he's a factor and so a lot of times with Carson Wentz you knew that whether it's lack of trust or lack of consistency they just were not going to put the ball in hands his hand in certain situations that lack of predictability I think will help Jonathan Taylor and you mentioned the bullseye the guy works I've seen him work I'm not really worried about him and, and you know the the humbleness or he becoming too big um you know I, I don't, i'm pretty sure he doesn't really care about him being the number one fantasy football guy right. that everybody's picking up on but i think i think the thing for him like all backs is staying healthy running back year to year is only based on health we saw it with derrick henry last year he 2000 2000 then you get hurt and then everybody's like oh well is this the end right well jonathan taylor if you stay healthy you're going to be in that same conversation year and year again so only thing i'm worried about with jt is staying healthy at cameron <laughs> wolf on twitter Follow him there, Cam. Flip to the other side of the ball real quick. How valuable is the addition to Gus Bradley this year to this superstar-laden defense? No, it's, it's a huge factor because when you look at the secondary, it's a completely different group. And so I've watched down here one-on-one Stephon Gilmore going mm -hmm. against some of these guys, and yeah. you see some of these new additions. Uh, Gus Bradley, his reputation throughout the league is, is aggression. And he's he had that whether he's been in Jacksonville, whether he's been, been in Seattle. And so you're hoping that he brings that same mentality. Um, turnovers last year, they were number two. But the thing you always say about turnovers, it's hard to duplicate. Like, how do you 
guarantee you're going to have 33 right, right. turnovers again. Well, if you're aggressive again, the ball finds you. And so maybe it's not 33, but I like his mentality and how he goes about defenses. The pieces are there. You know, we got DeForest Buckner here. You you trade for a Yannick Ngakwe. You got Stephon Gilmore. So I, you know you have that veteran talent. Haven't for me, seen, haven't seen Sha- uh, Shaq Leonard out there yeah, yet. Yeah, that that not you know, and and that's a question mark for me. Yeah. I actually just got done talking with Chris Ballard a little bit, and that was one of my first questions. Right. I'm like, what, what what's going on, man? And 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 and, and I'm not sure how much he shared, but I, I think their view is he'll be back here eventually. Yeah. You know, we don't see it as a long-term injury, like he's going to miss the whole season, but there doesn't seem to be a set timetable like we, we expect him back week one. So a little bit of worry there, but I, don't, I think you'll see Shaq, Shaq uh, Leonard at some point in 2022. We'll just see when it is. Now you mentioned Stephon Gilmore. I'm going to go to the, the other guy in the corner in the room and Kenny Moore. Mm-hmm. What's that national vibe of Kenny Moore? We know what he means here in Indianapolis. I mean, he's one of the fan favorites, but that national aspect, does he get enough do for what he does on the field. Yeah, it's tough credit-wise, right? Because a lot of times you just see the top 10 corners and those are the guys who get the love. The consistent guys, the guys who don't give up the big plays but don't have 10 interceptions, don't always right. get that love. I think that if you people who are truly inside football, evaluators, coaches, they respect them. The fans, I, I don't know if there's a, na- a lot of national fans who know who Kenny right. Moore is outside of Indianapolis, but that comes through winning. If you're winning, if you're a team that's going to be consistently in the playoffs and deep in the playoffs, you're going to be on TV a lot. And when you're on TV a lot, people notice right. players. So I don't think he has to become a 10 interception guy for them, to, for him to become one of the best corners in the league. I think for him, the team has to win. The defense has to rise. And through that, you'll notice who the guys are on the team. Cam Wolf, right there. Can you bounce around the AFC South with me real quick? Let's we'll let you get out of here. What's going on in Jacksonville? Obviously, year two for Trevor Lawrence. We know what's going on in Tennessee with the King up there. Yeah. Uh, Houston, we're opening up week one with. What does the rest of the AFC South look so like? So I actually started my training camp tour in Jacksonville, and the biggest thing I noticed there is that players were happy. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> okay. Not to take any shots there, but right. uh, but but guys were really clear, like publicly, about how different it is with Urban Meyer gone and Doug Peterson there, and so it's a new breath of fresh energy energy with Doug Peterson there. Look, I don't think they're all of a sudden going to become a three from a three one team to a thirteen win mm-hmm. team, but I do think they'll be better. I think Trevor Lawrence will be closer to the guy that we saw out of Clemson. Doug Peterson is a guy who's been a quarterback expert and so I was already seeing them in practice having some of their side conversations working on different elements of the game and so I think that Trevor Lawrence is going to be good there. The other thing is Travis Etienne is back for them and he was the most impressive guy on the field when I was there in training camp. Coming off that Liz Frank injury I don't know if they should have paid Christian Kirk as much money as they should have um, but I do know that Travis Etienne is going to be one or number two on uh, Trevor Lawrence's top weapon so I I think that Jacksonville is going to be a lot better than last season. We talk about the other teams. Tennessee is a very intriguing spot there because they've won the AFC South for two straight years, but they're, you know, there's a little shaky ground there. They traded A.J. Brown, yeah. and so he was their guy outside of Derrick Henry, but he, that guy in the passing game, and they replaced him with Traylon Burks, who's had mixed reviews this offseason. Earlier, there was questions about his conditioning and work ethic. When I was there a few days ago, they were talking about since training camp, he's been in great shape and he's looked good, so we'll see when the regular season's there, but I know that he's not going to be able to replace A.J. Brown by himself right. from, from week one. So that's a lot of pressure once again on Derrick Henry. We talk about it with JT here. You don't want your running back to carry the whole load. You don't want everything on his shoulder. And so I am a little worried that Tennessee is vulnerable, and maybe that's an opportunity for the Colts sure. to slide up. And a little on. bit of pressure on Tannehill's shoulder. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The last year of his guaranteed yeah. contract here. So they drafted right. Malik Willis there in the third round. He's still got a ways to go. He's not going to be a threat in 2022. But in 2023, and then maybe that's the time where he could take over if Tannehill 
still doesn't prove to be the guy. And briefly about the Texans, I, I think that obviously they're the team that's quote-unquote bottom of the vi- division, but I like Lovey Smith as a coach, and I think that although the talent isn't there, I think they'll play hard, and I think they'll be better than they were last year. They're still two or three years away from being able to compete in this division, but I do think that um, they'll have the, the right culture to be able to maybe be a 5 or 6 one team, sneak up on somebody who doesn't you know prepare the right way on a given Sunday. That was great. If you want more of that, follow him on Twitter, at Cameron Wolf. Cam, appreciate your help. Best of luck out here on all the training camp visits you have. We're going to follow you on the network and on Twitter as well as your other social. Appreciate it. You're great. Appreciate you guys. All Thank right. you.